the Spider-Man movies for me are just, they're unlike anything we've seen. You know, Sam Raimi just set a tone with Tobey Maguire at an early, early age for me. And nothing's been the same since. And it's interesting because Spider-Man is basically Marvel's version of Batman for me. It's just a fact. Like, I just love that story. I love Peter Parker and how, you know, Uncle Ben dies and you just, you know, you, you, you relate to Peter. And he's the guy on the ground. He's the little guy. And we're getting this larger-than-life version of him in Marvel right now in the cinematic universe. But I just think of, like, Tobey Maguire and where that all started, you know? Like, I'm sitting here. It's a beautiful Saturday. You know, it's almost a little bit too hot outside right now. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, why why is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man so important? And I just think that, you know, the fact that we got a version of Spider-Man when we were, you know, if you're my age, six, seven years old, when that thing came out in 2000. And then not only was it just this cool version of Spider-Man that everybody could get on board with, with a really good actor in Tobey Maguire. But it was like a very realistic sort of vibe to what Spider-Man would look like in New York City at the time. And that's what makes the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man so special to me, is like this idea that he was in New York City in 2000. You know, like that's that's the vibe of New York City. It was that style, that genre, you know, um, people wearing what they wore in 2000. And that's really cool. And the Daily Bugle and J. Jonah Jameson, you know, nothing will ever compare to J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson. Like it's it's perfect and it's right out of the comics. Sam Raimi casts so well. And I mean, J.K. Simmons, he does an exceptional job at a character who's quite hollow, in my opinion. Like, he's just the the boss, right? He's just Peter's boss, and he demands the photos. But, you know, J.K. made that character funny. He made him awesome. He made him like, you know, he stole the show at times. And I love that. And what also makes, you know, that first Tobey Maguire Sam Raimi Spider-Man so good is that they cast the perfect villain like Green Goblin is arguably Spider-Man's arch nemesis his number one his Joker to Batman sort of thing and you cast Willem Dafoe who's you know one of the best actors of a generation in my opinion he's got such a distinct look and he, he looks like he looks like the Goblin like, it's such a, like I said, a distinct look on what I think a villain should look like. And that's Willem Dafoe. Like, he just looks like a villain. And, uh, you know, that casting paired with a borderline, you know, 
cheesy performance, but very good performance. Like he's crazy. Right. And it was something we had never seen before. I was scared. You know, I was a kid, but I was scared. Um, I remember having nightmares about the green goblin. Like it's, it was, it could be taken seriously is I guess the best way that I could put it. You know, Spider-Man could be taken seriously and they kept the humor that Peter Parker has. They kept Mary Jane Watson exactly how you would expect her to be. You know, there's that ongoing joke that like Kirsten Dunst is like the most unattractive, beautiful woman on the planet. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. For me, Mary Jane Watson is like the gold standard. And have you noticed that they've never recast her? I mean, there were rumors. I'll get into the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, but there were rumors that... Well, actually, there's, they're not rumors. They were confirmed that Shailene Woodley um, from the Divergent series and from The Fault in Our Stars, she was cast as Mary Jane Watson in that universe, in Andrew Garfield's universe. And she looked good, but nobody will ever look what Kirsten Dunst looked as Mary Jane Watson. (laughs) Just to this day, she's one of my, you know, like that look in that movie is one of my favorite sort of on-screen looks for a female uh, actress. And uh, yeah, you know, tip of the cap to Sam Raimi for that. Obviously, his vision of Mary Jane Watson was the ideal woman, the beautiful woman, but like, the girl next door kind of vibe, you know, and I thought they just knocked it out of the park. And I hope I see her again one day as Mary Jane Watson. That'd be really cool. I wanted to talk about in the first Spider-Man, um, just sort of the, not the tone of it, but the way it moves, we have like the origin story, but it's so different. You know, it's such a different origin story in the sense that like, Yeah, he still gets his powers, but like Sam took it to a new level where like he actually gets powers. Like he's growing those like um, almost like metallic sort of, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Like it's how he clings to the wall. They were almost like razors that come out of his fingers. Like that was a bold choice, you know, but it really worked. And the web shooting, you know, obviously the most recent joke in uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home is, uh, you know, they ask him, they ask Tobey Maguire, the other two Spider-Man ask Tobey Maguire, like, how does that come out of you? We're just curious sort of thing, right? Like, but at the time, that choice, that's a bold choice to have the actual, like to have the web sort of come out of these, like, mutated wrists that he got from the spider bite it was just a it just worked it all worked and you never had any questions about how it all worked because it kind of made sense like it made like you know in in spider-man 2 which is arguably one of the best comic book movies of all time you know he has the he has the web block where he can't shoot him anymore and like that makes sense right Like, it makes sense that if somebody's going through, like, a personal crisis, you're going to have a blockage of some sort, you know, a mental block. And that, it just, it all made so much sense. That's what I liked the most 
about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Apart from the third one, which, you know, that's a little bit sillier, and I'll talk about that one eventually here, but, like, it just, it's, it's realistic in a way. It's sci-fi realism that, like, makes sense to me, you know, and it was a blockbuster. It was on the biggest scale possible, and forever going to be my Spider-Man. And I mean, there's people out there who argue today that Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man or that Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man, which I love both of those performances, don't get me wrong. But Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. You know, he was the Spider-Man that I looked up to as a kid. And that's okay. Everybody can have their own Spider-Man. I would agree that Tom Holland is the most realistic, um, like comic accurate version of Spider-Man. Like when I look at the comics, I see Tom Holland. When I look at Spider-Man, I see like closely drawn to Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Like he's the most comic accurate. I would make an argument for that. But when I think of Spider-Man, I think of Tobey Maguire, and I think of that suit, the Sam Raimi suit. I don't think of any other suit. I just, my mind goes directly to that one. And it was an iconic suit. And it was realistic. It reminds me of, like, these grounded versions of the heroes we're getting now. Like, well, not now, but, like, when they did Man of Steel, you know? I have to apologize. My dog is digging a hole in the couch right now but yeah I mean I'm talking about realistic sort of versions of these characters like Man of Steel he's got a very realistic sort of suit you know Dark Knight that trilogy he's very realistic it's a realistic Batman and that's what Spider-Man is in Tobey Maguire's trilogy it's a realistic sort of take on it and the way that they sort of compare Spider-Man from those days to the Spider-Man we get now, if we compare that, it just sort of like, it makes me feel like this version of Spider-Man is so much like younger. It's, it's tailored to a younger generation. And I do like that. I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man for that reason. Because it is. It's boyish. It's sort of, there's this charm. You sort of wonder um, what Tom Holland's Spider-Man could become. And we're sort of getting, you know, waves of that in No Way Home. Near the end where he's sort of, he's gone through the tragedy. He's sort of, he's an amazing actor, Tom Holland. Like, he, he really is. And he's born for Peter Parker Spider-Man. Some would argue he's very short, which I like to also argue he is very short for that character. And, you know, some might say that that's okay, that you can have a, a short Spider-Man. But, you know, it, it does help me see Spider-Man more as, I don't know, just a little more awesome 
in Andrew Garfield's build. Because Toby's short too. Spider-Man for me is the size of Andrew Garfield. Like my ideal Spider-Man. He's sort of this tall, lank, with some muscle tone. And uh, yeah, I mean, Andrew Garfield, he is a phenomenal casting, right? Like he's, for his universe, for what that was, it was, that's a weird sort of universe. But before I get there, I wanted to talk about Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Now, Spider-Man 2, I mentioned, is arguably one of the best comic book movies of all time. And it is. Uh, Doc Ock is in it, obviously, as the main villain. And But what makes this movie so good is the ties to Peter. What we see Peter experience, what we see him go through. And we sort of you feel about as bad for a character as you possibly can three quarters of the way into that movie. And then when he sort of regains what it means to be Spider-Man and he comes back for that final act and, you know, that paired with his love story with Mary Jane sort of blossoming and, you know, she finds out that he's Peter Parker Spider-Man. It's compelling. It's it's very compelling and it draws you to that movie from start to finish and we see sort of a deep dive into Peter Parker and what you know he's going through trying to manage being Spider-Man in New York City like it's not easy he's losing jobs he's you know barely getting by he's in this tiny little hole in the wall apartment he's got no future with a girl at this point he loves Mary Jane to death but he cannot make it to see her show he just can't it's not in the cards so the only way is to give up spider-man and that's a heartbreaking decision when we see him put that suit in the trash can that's a big scene you feel that scene and he's sort of sitting in the bed conflicted and he goes into a dream state where he is talking to uncle ben for the last time again And, you know, Uncle Ben, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Take my hand, son. You feel this emotion from Toby in this scene where he's like, No, Uncle Ben, I'm Spider-Man no more. No more. You know, like, it's it's heavy, man. It's, It's very good. Very, very good. And... You know, you pair that with the awesome action action sequences that Sam Raimi puts in. You know, I think of the train scene where Doc Ock is literally throwing people out of the moving subway and Spider-Man's having to sort of catch people in his webs as the train's flying down. And then, you know, that the climax of that scene is obviously the, the, the Tobey Maguire scene where he's unmasked and he sort of saves this subway of citizens by basically stopping a train with his webbing and him in the front of the train trying to stop it with all of the webbing, screaming with all his might to the point where he passes out when it's over and he's saved the train. And then it's just that, it's that very deep emotional moment with the citizens where they're like, he's just a kid, no older than my son, you know? Like, you felt that. It was, 
And in order to get there, in order to get to this place where he gets unmasked, you know, there's now this respect that the citizens have for him to the point where they're like, don't worry, we won't, we won't tell anybody, you know? And then Doc Ock arrives and they're like, you know, you want to get to him, you're going to have to go through me. And that's, that is what Spider-Man is. He's one of the people. That's why it works, you know? Even in the first movie where the citizens are throwing cans and bottles at the Green Goblin, they're like, you, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. You know, like, that's New York too. You know, they're, they're a city that fights together, that sort of bands together. Like, that's the message, right? And yeah, it's, it's just awesome. And then it all comes crashing down with Spider-Man 3, which I don't hate. I do not hate Spider-Man 3. There's a lot of good moments. There's a lot of good casting in that. Topher Grace's Venom, not so much. But that movie is, it's got, it's got parts for me that are so funny. And obviously the iconic scene of Peter Parker going emo. You know, he's got that emo look and he's walking the streets and he's he's dancing with that suit on, you know? And I just think that it's it's very well done. Very, very well done. Um, if you take this sort of comedic approach to Spider-Man 3, you can enjoy it. And, you know, the thing that didn't work for me is Harry Osborn's death at the end with James Franco. You didn't feel that, you know? It was, uh, you, you try your best to, but when the movie is sort of a comedy throughout the whole thing, and then the end, you know, you have this big death and it's supposed to be terrifying and sad, all in one with the Venom sequence, it just, none of it worked, you know? None of it really worked for me, the end. But, um, yeah, I don't really know what happened with that one, with Spider-Man 3, but there were plans for Spider-Man 4, um, and they never happened. And it makes me wonder, like, will we ever get a Spider-Man 4? That's a curious, curious question. Now, I, I move on to the amazing Spider-Man universe, and uh, Mark Webb directed these movies, these movies meaning... Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Where did, it all, where did it all go wrong for The Amazing Spider-Man? I think for me, it's the era of CGI that they were going through. Um, it was It was cartoony, and it was plastic if that makes sense it kind of had a plastic feel to it it has this like very hollow sort of plot there's not much there and the parts that they should have focused on like redoing the origin story was not the right move was not it didn't make sense to sort of redo that I wish they would have you know jumped right into it with maybe some flashback scenes 
um, just briefly touching on things that we already know. Who am I to say, uh, who am I to say, like, you know, do the sequel or do the, do the reimagination of Spider-Man differently than how you did it, right? Because obviously you're going to follow some sort of a blueprint and it's going to be what was already done. I don't know. It was just hollow. Like, I didn't feel anything for Uncle Ben. I didn't feel anything for Aunt May, you know. The only good thing about the Amazing Spider-Man movies was Andrew Garfield. You know, he's a very, very good actor who didn't have the best films to work with, is how I see it. You know, and the first one is definitely better than the second one. There are parts of Andrew Garfield that simply make the movie good because he's just that good as Spider-Man. Um, I hated the suit in the first one. It's grown on me a little bit, but it's just, it's not at all. Like, it just didn't work, you know? It looks like he's wearing a garbage bag painted a certain color, you know? And I like his logo the best. I mean, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is, in my opinion, um, a very, very nice suit. And I like that really elongated spider emblem in the chest that Garfield has on both the front and the back. Um, Yeah, I I know a lot of people, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, that suit is their favorite Spider-Man suit. And I don't deny that it's right up there with Tobey Maguire's suit. And obviously, they like that suit at Marvel Studios because that's the suit that they used uh, to bring him into their world. And I don't really want to spend much time on the Amazing Spider-Man movies. That's why I kind of just wanted to throw it in here really quickly because they're they're not great. It's like an emo version of Spider-Man um, in a darker sort of tone, but it's all cartoony. It's really strange for me and it didn't work for me, but we got Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield flirting for two movies. That's essentially what it is. They're just ad-libbing flirting for two movies. And if you try and watch The Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, it gets exhausting. Like, it's exhausting. There's some really great shots in there. Um, Some great Spider-Man content. But the movie itself is bad. Like, it's bad. Um, It's super dry. It's super... there's There's a lot of, you know, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone just literally flirting. It's, yeah, I don't know. It didn't work for me at all. And then I wanted to just close with what I think's going to happen with Spider-Man in the future. And I think that we're about to enter an exciting time for Spider-Man in the sense that, like, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will be back. We're either going to get solo projects from them or a collaboration like we had in No Way Home. Or we just get them, we get everything. Who knows, right? We could get The Amazing Spider-Man 3. We could get Spider-Man 4, 
and we could get another collab project in let's say secret wars avengers secret wars like we could see all of these heroes coming together once again but what i truly think is going to happen here is we're going to get an older more distinguished version of spider-man um with tom holland and that intrigues me a lot because at the end of no way home he's in new in new york city by himself for the first time sort of with no ties to anyone and he stitches his own spider-man suit which feels more in line with what andrew and toby did so in a weird way in my head i look at the mcu's version of spider-man you know the no way home or the i'll call it the homecoming trilogy spider-man homecoming spider-man far from home and spider-man no way home that trilogy for me i treat it all as this giant origin story for tom holland spider-man that we're about to see and that's an interesting take in my opinion because you really never know when this could all go to shit you know you could have a bad spider-man movie people could be sick of it who knows i don't think that'll happen i think they're just about to hit their stride with a guy like tom holland he's like what is he 26 25 like the age that toby Maguire was cast to play spider-man the first time we're just getting started folks and we've been lucky to see this young version of spider-man i'm excited to see an older version of tom holland spider-man i think that the older version so long as sony because sony owns the rights to spider-man so long as they don't mess up the plot mess up the movie too badly we could be in for a really really cool tom holland spider-man movie coming out here in the next few years like Nothing's been announced, obviously, but I think we could get one where we see the Sinister Six and we see a good older version. Like when Tom Holland fills out, like, I mean, every movie I see him in, he's a lot older and he's a lot more, you know, like he's solid, right? He's actually starting to get some muscle mass and he's starting to get, you know, obviously he's about as athletically talented as you can get um, for an actor playing spider-man you know he's doing all the practical flips and gymnastics stuff like he's a great casting and i'm very excited to see what happens in the future with spider-man one of my all-time favorite marvel characters so i thank you guys for listening to this one as i sort of clawed my way through this i feel like i missed words i feel like i kind of you know stumbled a few times but it's a saturday I'm hanging out. I got my dogs here. I apologize for Winnie digging to China for, you know, upwards of a minute there, I'm sure. Um, And yeah, I'm a comic book movie guy. This has been a lot of fun. And we'll talk to you guys on the next one. Take care and have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 